Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. Well, this is a tad unusual in that it's just me tonight, since Jason is off currently on a trip related to research. So I am the one that will be doing a small intro and small outro. I have been a bit behind in keeping up on Twitter and on the Star Trek shows and Andor and all sorts of stuff just because I've been under the weather, but um, I'm starting to catch up now. And I talked to Jason about this and... Um, my problem with the Star Wars shows is I know I've heard Andor is a really good show, but um, I'm getting a little worn out of playing around within the Skywalker saga timeline. Um, I'm ready for something new, um, new as in outside of that timeline, whether it's before that um, High Republic or after that. I really love to see something after that, but um, we shall see. Um the one thing Jason and I have talked about a lot is, and we talked about this when Jim Johnson was on, was um, finally getting some time to do some gaming. And specifically, specifically, wow, Jason's not here, so I can't speak. Um, Star Trek gaming. And what you're going to hear tonight, um, since we did record this before uh, Jason went on his trip, is some really fascinating discussions about starships and obviously the person um, to have that conversation with is Aaron. And it's been a true pleasure to um, be able to speak with him tonight or actually earlier in the week. And um, I can tell you, and we'll, I'll talk more about this after the intro um, at the end of the discussion, it was really, it really made me introspective or I, I was introspective around the idea around um, starships as a sentient being and treating them as part of the crew. So um, I hope you enjoy this evening. And I found it extraordinarily fascinating. Um, again, um, truly a pleasure to have Aaron on with us. And we'll look forward to talking with you after. Aaron Pollier has a background in astronomy and physics, but currently has a day job dealing with climate change and its intersection with agriculture. He has been a lifelong Star Trek fan and has been working as a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures since it began. In his free time, Aaron may be found gazing through his telescope, reading a good book, or doing historical reenacting with his wife. You won't get the first attempt at our intro that I completely blew. So um, let me try this again. So Aaron Pollier has joined us tonight. Aaron, thanks for taking the time. Hi, uh, glad to be here. Perfect. And I know there's a lot to talk about. Oh, man. Um, I, you know, there's things I think from what I've read and heard that you probably could talk about related to starships and things. But, oh, yeah. Um, so I suspect <laughs> I suspect we'll probably get there. Probably. Um, okay. Yeah, probably. Jason, Jason gave me the death look if we if we uh weren't going to get there but um what i'm really into we were talking a little bit before um we hit record and then before we hit record again um and you were talking about the fact that you do um research and i'm not going to give it away but um when i heard you say research and, and data analysis i'm paraphrasing you you got me a data analysis because i'm a data junkie mm -hmm. and so is, so is jason so um if you don't mind, this is organic. We'll go where it goes. Um, but talk a little bit. What do you actually do um, from a research perspective, even outside of the work that you're doing with uh, starships? Well, I, I do climate change research. So I work for the state climatology office and the state climatologist of the state of Michigan. And I end up doing a lot of data crunching, number crunching for yeah climate and weather and how it generally how it applies to agriculture that's a lot of what i do is agriculture related 
I also work with uh, a group called EnviroWeather, which is the, uh, it, it's Michigan State's, uh, its own kind of meso network of, of oh, its own weather stations that we generally have set up on farms. And there's lots of like leaf sense, uh, leaf wetness sensors, things like that. It's a regular weather station. Uh, you can go online and find all the information for it. But I th- think it's over 80, 80 plus stations now across the state. But yeah, a lot of a lot of number crunching, a lot of number crunching, a lot of uh, being a, 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 an assistant for classes for my boss because he teaches undergrad and graduate classes. But my main position is to actually do data analysis for mm-hmm. climate change. Okay, so you're doing climate change science these days, but but your background is in geology. Yes. No, my background is actually in astrophysics. Okay, so talk way. about that. Yeah. Well, I, I, from like an early age, I always wanted to be an astronomer. Like day one, astronomy. That's that's what it's all about. I was like a, I was one of those strange kids at six years old that could name every, every star in the sky that's brighter than first magnitude. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could point to a constellation, tell you, you know the primary stars in it, how far away those stars were, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So going into astronomy was easy. That was an easy choice. Um, And that's what I did with my undergrad and then ran out of money. And I ended up changing my undergrad to earth science to just immediately graduate because I had just, money, money is a problem. But so I ended up with my bachelor's in science and earth science with a specialty in astrophysics, because I had taken all the way up through 400 level courses in astrophysics. Mm. Um, and then I went into the department of geography to get a climate change oh, degree Interesting. for my master's of science. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, it is a little ironic. I can't be the only one who looks at your your academic background and sees, okay, he starts in astronomy mm-hmm. and now he's essentially designing the stats for starships. Yeah. That makes sense to me. How, how did, but how did you get from A <laughs> to B on that one? I mean, well, how... it's, uh, hmm, it, that's a really good question. I, and it's tough to answer because Star Trek and my love of science basically start right away mm-hmm. almost at the same time i yep. i do remember my my earliest memory is sitting in on my mom's lap in a drive-in theater seeing star trek the motion picture on a drive-in screen nice and it was cold i remember it being cold but i remember that wormhole scene like very clearly it's one of my first memories but beyond that i i have um, other very very early memories is just sitting out on my grandmother's porch and looking at the night sky and just being so in love with everything. So it's it's really tough to kind of uh, separate my love of Star Trek and science and astronomy. Yeah. So though they've always been tied together in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Um, that's the best way to explain it. But, okay, so no, I mean, that that resonates exceptionally strongly with me. But I don't find myself writing for Star Trek adventures. <laughs> so yeah. how did that happen? It was okay. It's a strange story. Um, back in the day, long before Star Trek Adventures was even a glimmer in Modifius's eye, um, I loved playing RPGs. I was already doing um, some really basic freelance writing for uh, for BattleTech, the BattleTech product line, yeah, uh, which is a war game. Mm-hmm. But I liked how fast it was compared to, let's say, some more chunky rule set war games let's put it that way but i wanted to see if i could actually make a war game that was less chunky and less brutal than starfleet battles mm-hmm. for myself and i could do a big fleet battle let's say and uh play with my friends and i designed one i designed one from the ground up and built starships using my own like uh my own rules i built a whole rule set to design starships all that and then built an entire framework for like discovering new new worlds, new civilizations and science in it. And then I heard about Modifius coming up with Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I can write this because I, I look on my hard drive and I have 
600, 700 pages worth of tiny type stuff that I've written already, you know, not just starships, but like, you know, here's, here's the science, how I can break down like nebula that we see inside, um, in, inside the show and movies. Here's, here's what you can do to design new ships. And I had lore written down for all these starships and in little like digestible chunks, kind of like what you see in the books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I sent in not only like some of the things that I had written for Battletech, but I had sent in, here's a chunk of my, my tactical game that I, that I made and with the writing that I had done for it. And while I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages already written, I only sent in like 10 or something like that, that, yeah. Hey, look, here's the primary rule set is only 10 pages. This is the idea of how I write what I write. And I have tons of ideas. And they said, um, can you write like starship talents? Yeah, no problem. So all the starship talents basically came out of my tactical game. Um, can you wow. write the starships? Yeah, no problem. I already have them all written, all the canon ones that we're going to include. I have oh them my all God. written. And then they're like, well, can you also write the stats and have it work in 2D20? And I said, mm, sure, I can do that. And <laughs> can you write the science? Are you good with science? Yeah, of course I am. I know I, I can speak, I can speak regular science and then technobabble like, you know, it's going out of style. So no problem. And so I fell into it really. They, they really liked what I had sent in, I guess. And I'm, I'm humbled to actually have them have, have Modifius like it. And then Jim took, took the, uh, the, took the reins of the line and saw that I had been writing a ton of this stuff and had a large background in, in Trek lore and, you know, etc. It, mm-hmm. it goes on, right? Like there, there, there's reasons, I guess, why I'm, why I'm there. I'm not trying to toot my own horns because I know I make mistakes just like everyone does. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty in love with the Trek lore and the Trek universe. And I tend to like keeping it in my head. Like most people might keep um, football scores or, you know, football players and their stats in their heads. Oh man, that's so cool. God, is that impressive? Do, do you do you still just out of curiosity, just because I'm fascinated by it? Do you still ever pull out and do any gaming with your original? Now that obviously STA is out, you have a robust, obviously you know this better than we do, robust line of material for it. But do you ever yeah. pull out the ten pager and and play or yeah, you know? yeah, because it's a different style of game. See, Star Star Trek Adventures is an RPG where my tactical game was it it's not an rpg it's about starships going pew pew and sta while you can have starships go pew pew it's not really designed to be a quick fast tactical battle game does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah if i want to if i want to pull out the game with a few friends yeah absolutely it's as a as a side note so with our with our good friend brian in high school uh, I would play what Mech Warrior with him, mm-hmm. okay. and he always GM'd. And mm-hmm. I mean, I never lasted more than like twenty minutes. I mean, it was just basically watch Jason be destroyed. But it was always so much fun. But it was a totally different thing to play than anything yeah. else I've played. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I played Starfire, which is a pretty uh, unknown tactical type of hex starship game that sure. was probably one of the first that i did so that's why i'm fascinated by the tactical aspect and i know there there are video games out there that have tried to yeah non-online games just non non are you know non mmo you know mmo games yeah, there's a star trying to battles do. tactical yeah. game that was on the computer that i i really enjoyed and i i actually did enjoy starfleet battles as as a game it's just that it took too long and it was really complex um, but no shade at Starfleet Battles at all. I just thought, I, you know, I Jason hasn't, but I did a lot of Star Trek online. So and mm-hmm. I know that's mm-hmm. not completely Starship battle oriented, but um, mm-hmm. I still I, enjoy I've it. I've played it. I've played it. I, I just don't generally have the time for online games anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm curious, though, on that note. So in. OK, so one of the reasons we so appreciate talking to you this evening is the timing is just so unintentionally uncanny that mm. you know uh, utopia planitia 
you know, is is out at least. Well, I'm. Well, I was going to say in PD for PDF form, though. I saw on Twitter the other day someone posted that they'd mm-hmm. received theirs, right? And you probably saw Jim's comment on Twitter was, I think that's the first one I've seen in the wild, right? And this was like, mm-hmm. he had tipped us off that something big is coming and blah, blah, blah. And and mm-hmm. so I'd been drooling and since something actually, you know, till there was actually information. And then this is one of those rare things where, I mean, I pre-ordered like immediately as soon as mm-hmm. it was available, beat Brad. Um, <clears throat> just, I was so eager for this. But then we've got Fleet Week. Mm-hmm. And then of course, uh, New York Comic-Con just, ended at least the the star trek stuff and and with the drop of the picard season three trailer and i'm Mm -hmm. just gonna try not to talk about that or we'll be here for three hours but with that and of course the ship porn in that of the new Mm -hmm. titan a and then the enterprise f and you know and brad i'll tell you right the one of the first when i text you to say it dropped i just gotten home and seen it i text you to say the trailer is out there the next trailer and then then what what did i say i'm like the f is in there right which Mm -hmm. i'd never even because i don't play sto i'd never even Mm -hmm. heard of until Mm -hmm. i saw it in your book Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh what do they know (laughs) Well, I will be perfectly fair about this, that the STO ships, I did not write. Those are, um, those are Thomas from, mm-hmm. he's the artist from yep. uh, Star Trek Online. I just kind of checked it to make sure that the ships tended to fit within the rule set or added some ideas about um, phrasing in the write-ups. Um, but yeah, I, hey, I'm glad to see STO stuff on screen. I'm glad that they're in our book. I'm glad that we kind of had a, a sneak peek in Utopia Planitia for what's going to be in Picard season three. Absolutely. That's that it is really cool. So this might be an unfair question for you, but if you if you consider all of canon, even soft canon. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. You know where I'm going with it. this. And yeah. so I mean, for someone like yeah. you who who lives and breathes this stuff, maybe this is unfair to ask you to limit it, but do you have a ship? or a class that you really adore more than the others? Uh, Every time I see it on screen and it's never really on screen, except either on like diagrams or like a model. I love seeing a Dalus class starship on screen. Not what I expected. (laughs) I because it's so unlike other Federation, well, Starfleet vessels up until like the last episode of TNG where you, you see the future, you know, Olympic yeah. class that has that big ball. And yeah. I love that idea that that a Starfleet vessel, an Earth Starfleet for USPA, United Earth Space Probe, Probe Agency, had this like big ball at the front and it kind of had this doofy looking canister body with spindly nacelles. And that these were kind of the, um, these were the mass produced destroyers of the earth Romulan war, that these were the things that were like ubiquitous in the 2150s and sixties. And I just love seeing them just because you don't really see them in action on screen. So every time I see like a piece of art that has a Daedalus being a true, you know, yeah. Hero kind of ship firing missiles or, or, or whatever out of its back. I, I love it. And there, there's a great picture in Utopia Planitia that has uh, a squadron of Daedalus is firing nuclear missiles out of its, Really? Uh, oh, secondary hull, yeah. At at Romulan warbirds from during the Earth Romulan War, and I, I'm like, okay, I I like that. But I mean, I, I love all the starships for different reasons. You know, nice. I'll I'll have a smile on my face seeing Miranda's tooling around during the Dominion War. You know, I, mm-hmm. every time I see a Galaxy class, it's like, okay, yeah, that's, there, <laughs> there it is. Um, yes. Or I, you know, I get that little flutter in my heart when I see an old Constitution. Mm-hmm. You know every every starship has its you know things for me i'm curious what you think through your lens of ships as characters right and more mm-hmm. than just, but but as well as the stats what do you think of what trek has done with the enterprise in strange new worlds hmm that, i mean that's a good question i don't mind that they changed the looks of it I mean, if, if it, they made it completely look completely different, like yeah. let's say suddenly it looks like an Excelsior or something like that. And they go, no, this is the, the I, I wouldn't be okay with that, but that's not no, what right. they did. No. They made like no. subtle changes. Yeah. You know what? That's fine. Because uh, in the end, you can kind of look at TOS as a period piece in some ways. Mm-hmm. And you can say, well, 
today they're just making it for a different audience. They're not making it for, you know, tiny little TV screens. Um, they're not making it for uh, TVs that are black and white mm-hmm. and low resolution. They're making it so it pops on the screen and, and catches the eye. And, you know, yeah, it looks different. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my original TOS. Don't get me wrong at all. You know, I want to see those chunky duotronic controls on the bridge. But you know what? If it's not that way, it's not that way. I'm not going to lose any sleep about it. Good for them. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can easily rationalize it when I'm writing up Starship, <laughs> you know, information. I can tell you exactly why those things would be different depending on, on on the year. Why they might look more advanced than what you see in TOS. And I have. <laughs> Brad, go ahead. Have, have you? Oh, I was just going to say, so just I'm always the guy that does the right turns when we have mm-hmm. conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you did writing before Star Trek, the Star Trek stuff you're doing with STA and so on. You did Battletech stuff. Um, you obviously have your tactical game. Um, are you, you know, we, you had mentioned before, and Jason and I can relate, Time is time is limited, but do you still do gaming do you still take time and or do you have time to do any sta gaming or other gaming you know i do do an online game for sta Uh, and it wasn't from day one either um i don't think i started until about 2020 playing sta i had never actually played it played a game of sta for the first couple years that it was out even though i was writing I, I should say wow. that I have had, I have written for every STA book except the operations division book, but I like checked things that were in it. Other, so I've been like writing STA since, since day one. And it's weird that I hadn't actually gotten to play it, uh, but I'm glad that I do now. I have a lot of fun playing in, in the online game that I was in, uh, that I am in, I should say. And I didn't want to have a character that actually dealt with um, engineering or, or the sciences, like the hard sciences, because mm-hmm. that's where I'm really comfortable. So I ended up starting by making a Tellarite ship's counselor and it was a ton of fun and I'm still playing him today, but because he's so incredibly, I guess he's just really competent at being a scientist. He has moved into like the science officer's position. Um, which is a strange like move from being ship's counselor to that, but he's also been in Starfleet since the 20, 2340s. So like when Picard was a cadet, he was also a cadet. He's been around forever and we're playing in the 2380s. So okay. he's been in Starfleet for like 40 plus years. Um, so he has a, he has a, he has a, a wide breadth of, uh, of, of experience, I guess. So it's, it's fun. It's fun playing that character that still has all the focuses of like psychology, psychotherapy and, and being like the chief science officer on, on this ship. As I, well as psychologist should be, but I'm biased. Yeah. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> I was just going to ask, can you, if not to give too much away, I'm just out of curiosity, what's the ship name and what, what class? USS Pioneer. NCC 74700. It's an intrepid class. Oh, cool. oh, yeah. I, have cool. to, I, I like that little minutiae type of I'll stuff. I'll even do that. Oh, yes. He's, oh! Uh, for, so, so Aaron is yeah. wearing the hat with the ship yeah. on it. I mean, that's pretty slick. Yeah, that's I it. ended up making, getting these hats made and sending them to everybody on the crew. That's commitment. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Jason, I think we need to get hats. We need to start playing uh, and then we can get hats. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're, we're, we haven't done a good job of keeping up with yeah. playing. Do you get a chance ever to do any other gaming or is it really just kind of focused on that and then everything else is going on in real life? Now and then I get to do Battletech. Now and then, maybe once every few months. Um, and otherwise, my gaming, quote unquote, large air quotes, is doing historical reenactments. Oh. Really? Yeah, so now that, when you that's my just, hobby is it oh okay. a hop now i gotta ask i know we're like, yeah the right turn um if you don't mind break that down just because i i will play on occasion 4d 4d computer gaming when it comes to mm-hmm. um you know reenactment it's not true reenactment but you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah 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 um, like hearts of iron thing. yeah yeah i've done hearts of iron I, I just fired up hearts of iron 4 probably about a month and a half ago and did some what do you do with that 
Um, well, my wife and I both do uh, World War II Soviet. Oh, and we we got into it because we kept going to like air shows and things like that. Uh, and hearing, you know, the announcers talk about the allies of World War II and never mentioning the Soviets. And I have a lot of knowledge of the Soviet Union and Russia and Ukraine and all that. Uh, and it started really ticking me off. Just hmm. the, the, the general lack of knowledge yeah. about uh, the Eastern Front in the war. And finally, at one point, my wife and I just kind of looked at each other and said, we, we just have to start going to these things in, in uniform and teaching and, okay, let's join a unit and actually go to more of these, uh, more to like reenacting events rather than like air shows or cultural events or things like that where we can have a large group of people around us to make sure that, you know, our equipment is correct, that we all kind of fall in together. We go out onto the battlefield and do weapons demonstrations, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it is about teaching history though, more than anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's, you don't mind me asking me. what kind of drew you into, you know, like Soviet, Russian, Ukrainian type of history. Yeah. Right. Um, my family, my, my great-grandfather originally came from Ukraine. Uh, he, he was a Ukrainian Jew outside of, outside of Kiev, and he yep. fled from one of the pogroms yep. that was occurring uh, at the time. And uh, like right, right before World War I came around, he, he immigrated to the United States. And I never met him. He died long before I was born. Yep. But um, my grandfather, who, you know, he was like the first son born in, in, in the United States. Yeah. Uh, he learned all the kind of traditions and food. And my, my grandmother yeah. learned it all from them, too. So I kind of grew up with the food and, and a lot of the cultural kind of things from it around me. And because that was like where the family originally came from, you know, mm -hmm. of course, I'm going to learn about it and understand it as best as I can. And so over time just picking it up i've i've been i've been to russia twice and ukraine wow. once wow um yeah and when what my my first trip to russia was right after the fall of the soviet union so that was a very strange and interesting trip oh like like wow. late 80s early 90s type era, 92 era. the summer of 92 a year so, after. yeah yeah, it was it was the summer after there were, everyone was still using Soviet rubles. There were still, you know, Soviet everyone was still in Soviet uniforms. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. Very strange time. Interesting time. When you I'm 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 hammering on this because this is just fascinating and I'm I wanna I wanna go back to starships, but you caught my attention with this. Um that's no, okay. Do you Thank travel you. when you do this with yeah. with your reenactments and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Um I live in central Michigan and there aren't, a, there aren't any reenactments in my hometown here where I live mm. now. I shouldn't say my hometown because where I grew up was right on Lake Michigan, right across from Chicago. And there is a reenactment there okay. once a year, but we'll, my, my wife and I will travel up to seven hours away by, you know, car to wow. go to specific reenactments. Most of them are within about three or four hours though, drive. I'm on the other side of the lake from you in Milwaukee. So, okay. Yeah. There's actually a reenactment that we do every year. That's in, um, Sockville, Port Washington. That's oh. what I was going <laughs> to, it was, I was, it was a loaded question. I knew you were in Michigan. That's why I was going to ask. Cause that's mm -hmm. about what, about 45, 50 minutes from me from where I'm located. Yeah. So. The, the, the Sockville event is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. We were there every year. We have been for at least four years. Yeah. Well, and we I actually no have idea. members that are up in Minnesota as well, up in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yeah. Go, yeah. Oh, well, because, okay, so I mean, obviously, I'm in St. Paul and Brad's mm -hmm. in Milwaukee, but Brad's from Oconomowoc and I'm from Fond du Lac. So, but we mm -hmm. never, we never did any of that. <laughs> and see, I, my, the air show that I was always, that I was talking about earlier was Oshkosh. There it yeah, is. Every summer going with my father up until the, the, up until he died, it was every yeah. summer I spent in Oshkosh, Appleton, Nina, Wisconsin, Fond du Lac. Yes. yes. Yeah, I and yeah, you never not, saw a ton of you never saw a ton of of Soviet era aircraft I, there. They do bring some in on occasion. No, yeah, You're, yeah, depend on the year, but uh, yeah. mostly it's like uh, the jet MIGs, like MIG yeah. 15s and 17s. We actually uh, they've brought yeah. in 
Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'll, I'll follow up. No, I was, was going to say recently they've been bringing in like a World War II yak. And um, while they have like U.S. reenactors that are on site for, for EA Oshkosh, we wanted to come in in our uniforms to get a picture with the old World War II yak. Um, because specifically my wife is actually uh, her, her main uniform that she portrays, well, what, who she portrays is, is a female pilot, a female Soviet pilot, because women served right alongside men on the front lines. Um, and wow. we wanted to get her picture and they, they absolutely refused us to be able to come in with a Soviet uniform because some people felt they weren't allies. And it, that, again, it's that whole. Welcome to know, the Fox Valley, war. not to be yeah. blunt, but. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, reenactment or not, you know, I guess the war was the war is over. No, no need to. Oh, we'll leave it. I, yeah, that's unfortunate because it would be cool that's to see. All those. fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that came up again, and I'm and I'm going to end the, the <laughs> side band on it. No, I'm fascinated because I'm I'm an EAA fan. I I mm-hmm. went there all the yeah. time, like you did when I was younger. Um, have you made it over? Like, in the, I know you said you went until your your father passed. Have you? And, and then obviously you had the situation with the uniforms not you tend not going back at some point or? i do i do plan on going back within the next couple of years my brothers still go every year okay. um it's just yeah. it, it's going back without my father is something yeah a little tough to do um we yeah. went back we went back the summer after he died um and i it it feels like it was just last summer it, it wasn't it was three or four years ago and i i try not to think about it so that's why i don't have the date in my head but yeah we went back the 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 summer after he died and that was tough um just because he wasn't there telling his the same stories that he told every single year you know and you just are kind of sitting at 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 the air show waiting for him to talk and he's not Uh there and it's yeah and you know that's how it is that's that's life right yeah you have a you seem to there seems to be a recurring theme of aircraft spacecraft oh yeah air flight stars mm-hmm. you know i i dig it that's that's oh, yeah. kind of you know and jason jason's the one who has the what the the um the shipyard books right jace you have the oh my god i yeah the um i just uh, eagle moss um mm-hmm. the oh i i mean i just have the i just i just picked up the um the federation ones because i thought mm-hmm. i i either have to really limit this or i have to get another job and so I was really careful. And I just got the the Federation ones, but um, then the Starfleet ones specifically. Um, but those are just, I mean, as references, I think those are absolutely spectacular. But but again, I think Utopia Panisha and what you and the others did takes no backseat to that. And especially mm-hmm. the 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 narrative, like I mean, what you all wrote, not just about the ships themselves but you know and we've talked about this a bit on here with with jim but but the 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 life in starfleet and just like Mm -hmm. what's it mean to be on a ship i mean the the creativity is just so off the chart and the the insights into the ships the lifestyle the concepts inherent to starfleet and the federation that then Mm -hmm. is portrayed i mean i really i think you guys really hit everything so well on on the head. I mean, someone could pick up, this is a source book where someone could pick it up. You don't have to be interested in role-playing. This is just worth having and reading and gawking at. I mean, did you think about, I mean, there's a lot of Trek fans who probably may pick this up that didn't necessarily have an idea about role-playing, but Jason and I have talked about RPG as literature. Yeah. And exactly. I have found like, I, it's it's a kind of a, a joke with Jason that he makes fun of me because I have all the books. Sure. Um, and so I'll read the command and the science division books mm-hmm. and I'll read those as literature, even though mm-hmm. we don't have time to play these days. Has that come into, is that kind of been in your mind as you have been working through that in terms of writing with the idea that maybe people are going to read this for the sake of reading it. Yes. And I, I, for sure, because I will say if I'm not writing a rule, like if I'm writing something that is like command plus communications, difficulty three or whatever, that's different story. But if I'm writing something that has nothing to do with a rule and I'm just trying to write a description, I'm not writing a description for a role-playing game. I'm writing a description 
that I would want to read in a piece of Star Trek material. Like I want to learn something about the universe, about this ship, about the yeah. people that serve aboard it. Um, it that that's what's most important. I want to draw people in and give these vessels life, so to speak. And it's it's the same thing when I'm writing about science or technology, because a lot of the science and technology that's in STA, I've I've that's that's like what I do. Mm-hmm. I really want to give people an insight into how this technology works, or or why the science is the way it is. Cause I, I, I like to hear people say, I like it when people say, you know, Star Trek doesn't have good science in it. And it's like, well, the best Star Trek does have good science because it's, it might not be real science, but it, it's supposed to hold strict rules. Right. Otherwise right. it's magic, you know? And, and even though you can also say that magic should actually have strict rules, that's how you write a good magic system. Um, that, magic is more fantasy and Star Trek is supposed to be grounded in fact. So if you say something here is, here's how this is, it's going to be that way. And you need to either come up with a rationale for why it's that way, or um, yeah, you just need to come up with a rationale, I should say. Yeah. I think even before Jason, and I started doing the podcast and the books, I was purchasing them because I was using them as lit. Mm-hmm. I would sit, and yeah, comb over yeah. them and read them because it, I found, you know, yep. I was, I was sit I was sitting on your lap when my parents took me to, or my, my mom took me to see motion picture. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, I couldn't believe how freaked out my mom was when she came home and said Spock was dead after, you know, wrath of Khan. So, oh, you know, I, I have said in, in other interviews, I, I saw, I, I saw every Star Trek movie in the theater And the most emotional I ever got was when Enterprise blew up in Search for Spock. Yep. Oh, and I wept. I was a child. I was a child. I don't remember how old I was, six or seven, but I wept. And the reason was, is because that's the ship that had all the adventures, that this went to all the places that we saw in TOS that Kirk had all those things that he had, he had brought back those memories that were in his quarters and Spock did. And Scotty, Scotty loved that ship. He, you know, and, and you see it's, it's name and, and registry burning out on its hull and then it burns up in the atmosphere. And I wept as a child and it still kind of chokes me up watching it to this day. And that's I... the kind of feeling I like giving in these starships when I'm writing starships is these are characters. These are people. These ships are people. You should yeah, feel yeah. it when they are hurt, when they take damage. You should worry when they're stumbling through space after encountering a, a spatial anomaly of some sort. Yeah, uh, worry, worry about them. They are characters. No, that's it's. I I remember when I came home when we got it under some clandestine methods, we got a VCR copy of it. Mm. And I actually broke <laughs> the tape at that point. Cause I would rewind and play that, mm. that oh. burn up over and over again. Cause like you, I grew up watching those and watching the movies. That was the ship, mm-hmm. you know, and I still struggled with, with end of three and four when they were flying a Klingon ship. Cause it wasn't the enterprise, mm-hmm. um, you know, very odd. And even when they came out with the A at the end of four, it was still, it wasn't the same. But I, yeah, I remember watching the the hull collapse on and losing the, and you seeing the the ship ID and Enterprise. Destroy. Oh boy, yeah. I now you got me choking up thinking about it because I was I was probably what I was probably fourth fifth grade, so eight nine ten. I gotta years watch. Old I gotta watch this again. I don't know the last time I watched three. Mm-hmm. That was. That I, I don't. Was, I don't... Uh, I don't it's, know. It's it's an unsung good track movie. I mean, people oh, kind of yeah. say it's it's oh, it's one of the odd ones. No, there's a lot of really good things in it. A lot of really good things. Oh. If you had to pick one, what would be your of the of the original six? Oh, the TOS, yeah. The TOS six. Wow. Um, it would be down to two, and it, it it's it's tough it would be down to either the motion picture because it is the most Star Trek of the Star Trek films. Yes, it's slow. I will fully admit that, but it's a really good Star Trek episode. Yeah. It takes from other TOS episodes. And then I love four. I absolutely love four because (laughs) it just shows it. it, And it's not the comedy in it. 
I love the crew being together and working towards this goal of saving, saving the world by saving the whales, whales. Mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. doing this really good that, that whales are people. And like on my hat, I have my little cetacean oh. uh, crew member oh. pin, oh but it's, I always try to put in some cetacean <laughs> reference in a lot of the stuff that I write. So, you know, in the Shackleton Expanse book, there's the cetacean explorer it's hey look if if these cetaceans if these humpback whales are able to talk to the whale probe they're people too and i loved that that hey this this is not something that they questioned really uh the crew of the uh hms bounty i should say they didn't they didn't question this they just went back in time and said we have to save these whales because Mm -hmm. they're people they will talk to the whale probe not oh these these are just like creatures or whatever no these these were people that we had to save and spock mind melds with one mm-hmm. with gracie did yeah. you know gracie's pregnant she she you know and he, <laughs> he has a conversation with her yeah they can't it is a good talk, movie but yeah I, I love it i love it for that i absolutely love it for that i still I, think the comedy when kirk sees spock in the in the yeah, actual Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, otherwise, yeah, you can say, oh, two is just such a good dramatic piece. It really that is. is. See, I can brilliant. geek out about it. Yeah. I can get out, geek out about I mean, I don't, five is, uh, you know, five is five, but I like all of them for different reasons, really. Even five, I do, surprisingly. But <laughs> most, most people crap, most people crap on that one. They really do. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's just, it's mostly rushed is what the problem with hmm. with uh, final frontier and there's still a lot of good stuff in there so oh yeah it's it's tough to pick a favorite out of them but i can say i really if i want to put in a film i'll put in the motion picture or voyage home speaking of ships so <laughs> do you, i don't know if you've watched speaking of ships yeah. see i told you i'm all over the we place. should no, eventually no, no, no. get to ships yeah yeah yeah, no. well, okay, I'm going to kind of segue. Um, so do you watch Discovery? Yes. Um, with the latest, what are your thoughts on the, like, yeah. now? 32nd, the, 32nd century. Century yeah. ships. Yeah. You know, like the Mitchell, and, and I know they named that after Kenneth Mitchell, um, the actor. I don't think we know enough about the 32nd century ships to really make a good, good conclusion. I mean, some of them look fine. Some of them look fine. Some of them I'm like, uh, you know what, I probably can learn to love them. I just need to see them more. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind the detached nacelles. I know some people have a problem with that. I'm, you know, I'm okay with it. There's, there's crazy explanations that you can give for why that's a good idea. And I'm okay with that. Um, but I re- we really don't see them enough to make a yeah. good call one, one way or the other about, about it. I hope we see more of that. I have not. I've been purposely avoiding the teasers and all that. So, well, you don't. Um, I mean, the the teaser for season five is quite interesting. Um, they, you know, they've become masters. Trek has become masters at giving away nothing mm-hmm. in their teasers. They've really, they've really become good at it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I tend not to watch the teasers either. I know the Picard trailer came out. I did watch that because, well, I, I again, there's starships in it. So I really want to watch the starships yeah, and start writing the starships. Because every time I see a new starship in a series, any of the new Star Trek uh, series, I'll just write the entry for it that will hopefully someday be published once Vithias oh, cool. gets the rights for it. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. It's it, my my computer folder is full of uh, full of starships that have yet to be published. How how long? Do, this might not be quite a fair question because of the scope of your of your Uber, but how long does it take you to write a starship, as it were, um, once you're mm-hmm. newly acquainted with it? If it is a brand new starship that we see on screen for ten minutes, mm-hmm. let's say. You know, it's it's a small part of an episode, like in Strange New Worlds, the single nacelle ship. Let's say I, I had just seen that. We see the single nacelle, nacelle ship. It's supposed to be small. It has a crew of three. It takes me five, ten minutes to write it up because I can I can easily look at that ship and go, okay, it's a single nacelle, so it's a scout. It has a small, 
a small crew. So that means it's going to be scale three or two, most likely two. Um, it's not going to have a shuttle bay, really. It's going to have transporters, you know, and you just kind of break down and then go, okay, well, what's the rationale for making a ship this small? Why is it being used? Why did Starfleet think it was a good idea, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can just yep. write it out. So maybe five, 10 minutes. Um, and then I might do another pass through it later once I've slept on it, thinking about, okay, how can I rephrase this? Yeah, absolutely. And then Jim will, Jim will end up going, oh, Aaron, you, you wrote 3000 words. Maybe you should, uh, <laughs> maybe you should uh, cut that down to like 800. Because <laughs> like, I know Jim's, Jim said many times, I, I'm like the most cut writer because I just continually give yeah. way more than what, what he wants. But, but I'm that's like, kind of a compliment. Give, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, I expect things to be cut. Yeah. I, I, and I, I'm not upset about it. I just want to make sure that, that he is the line developer, uh, the line manager, I should say. And, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, the editor of me has enough yeah. material yeah, yeah. to go, okay, you know what? I think this is the best piece of story that, that, that Aaron wrote that has, that's in this starship mm -hmm. entry. I want to make sure to include this, this, and this. And then I'll, then he has to make the tough choice of, of what to, yeah. what to drop. Okay. We, we've been promised. So in fe come February and I'm, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. Fall is finally looking beautiful. I want it to get cold. Mm -hmm. I want a nice winter, but February will arrive. And with it, among other things, Picard season three, and we've sure. been promised a lot of the Titan A. So I'm okay. curious. So, so you've watched the, it, you know, it's whatever, March. March, April. Now mm -hmm. we've seen Picard season three. Uh, you've, you've had a plethora of exposure to a ship like the Titan eight. Okay. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of Canterot. So writing a ship where you have a lot of exposure and some backstory, how much work goes into something like that for you? A bit more, believe it or not, because I, I need to make sure that I'm not contradicting anything that's been stated on screen. Mm -hmm. So I, I will generally rewatch anything that is directly involving that ship. Yeah. Um, so maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, and then sleeping on it, making sure that I, I, I haven't really forgotten anything. And then maybe another half hour of po polishing, maybe even less depending. Cause usually I'm pretty good at, pulling the information out like that's when i'm watching a show i'll really remember the stuff on on starships that's just what i really latch on to so it's yeah. it's fairly easy for me to pull out information when i can out of my head and then even if there isn't anything there i can just go form follows function uh and it, it should especially in yep, star yep. trek and then go okay well this starship has to have this 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 and this because of the way it looks or what what we mm -hmm. see on the exterior of the hull and then okay. go from there interesting i mean a pretty dark i mean that's just that's so fast that's like so intense i i, did, I guess i didn't know what to expect but i mean you're not spending days writing your way through a ship you're, no, you're writing no. it yeah yeah and in and, and, yeah Usually fifteen minutes to a half hour. Wow. wow. Do you That's ever do it with? And again, not not so cool. no teasers or yeah, spoilers. Right. Do you ever with your with your online game? Do you ever play test any of them? Do any no, of the new ships? Not the no. ships. No. no okay. Mm -mm. Wow. No, we don't we don't do that. I, I will have the game. Our game master, Michael Dismuke, he'll often go, Aaron. Does this make sense when it's like a science thing or a technology mm -hmm. thing? When he has a question, but usually it's just like. Yes, and because it's a story that we're telling and it doesn't have to be, it, yeah. it shouldn't be completely latched to what I think is right. It's you as the storyteller, as the game master have a lot to say about that, but you'll go, okay, does this make sense? Am I using Polarons correctly or yeah, yeah. whatever? And I'll be like, well, okay, yeah, I can talk about that, I guess. And <laughs> Do you ever take like the, the ships, obviously some of the stuff you've been doing for STA, not and now I'm going to ask if you're pirating, so hopefully this doesn't come across wrong. Do you ever like go and actually write them for your game to play them when you pull it out? So no, 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 no. Um, I haven't added anything to my game since I started writing STA. Okay, and again, it's not, not like I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm just curious. it's not like I'm publishing my game either, right? right because right. it's just sitting on my computer for me to play every every now and then with my friends. So neat. Oh man, I just had a. I think I just had a senior moment.
Well, I'm going to ask because oh, we yeah, usually yeah. ask this of our of our our guests. And Jason and I, at the end of every episode, do what we call the GM's corner. What's on there? What's on your desk? What are you reading? What are you yeah. working on? If it's mm. a book, Jim. Jim was talking about you know something completely deaf, separate from STA the last time we had him on, which was fascinating because yep, it was yep. unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of work and everything, what's on your desk these days? Yeah. And, and STA stuff, anything different or or like you know, hobby oriented or, you know, just regular, maybe fiction or nonfiction you're reading. Or... I'm always reading, um, reading books of one, one sort or another fiction, nonfiction hi- history, that kind of thing. Right now I have a Horatio Hornblower novel that I just started. Um, which one I can actually reach over and look at it. Lieutenant Hornblower. So it's the second Hornblower novel. Huh. And I, I'd, I'd never read the Hornblower books, no. but I, somebody had told me, Oh, you know, Roddenberry really liked those and kind of based Picard and Kirk off, off him. And I'm, I'm reading it and going, Hmm, I don't know. Like I, I, I see a little bit in Picard, but like not Kirk. Yeah, no, he, know, he, but that's, he that's gave, weird. he gave Roddenberry gave Patrick Stewart, gave him Horatio Hornblower when he was hired for the role and said, read this, yeah. right. It inspired yeah. the character. Yeah. I, I've never read it. And, and I really don't, see it that much which is which is weird um and i'm i'm sure that at least with picard i can see a little bit of him in yeah picard, yeah a little bit of form lore um which is him being separate from the the rest of the crew kind of okay. being a little standoffish and and by himself that there has to be this distance between the captain the captain and the sense. rest of the crew yeah. that that's the only thing that i really see from hornblower in in picard but yeah. Anyway, that that's that's what I've been reading. Otherwise, it's usually um, usually Star Trek stuff uh, that I'm I'm reading like books or finding old old uh, technical manual or whatever. It's like the Franz Joseph technical technical manual is always on my desk, and I'll always just sit there and flip through it, or reading Soviet history from World War II uh, just to try to like really polish my knowledge of it. So if if people wow try to quiz me on it i can i can generally spout <laughs> off random things fairly well about that you know you ever think about again right turn um doing any sort of rpg in i know you do the the, the reenactment stuff but actually doing some rpgs related to um world war ii or anything like that i've i i actually own one rpg that is soviet world war ii and it's it's actually called night witches which is based on a real life um soviet unit it's actually the 588th night bomber regiment i see i can talk about them forever but it's an all-female regiment from the mechanics all the way up to the officers and they uh big damn heroes let's put it that way big damn heroes some of them flew up to 800 combat missions during the war and there's a RPG that's, that's based on it. And since they're all women, it's, it's, there's uh, an aspect of the game that deals with, you know, sexism in the red army that you need to deal with um, this kind of difficulty of operating at night, but yet still having to do things during the day. Um, the, the stresses of, of being a woman and a fighter and how, how to handle that. And yeah, as, as a man, I, I really don't have the, perspective that women do in yeah. that area but it's interesting when my wife goes through it and goes okay that is interesting or, or that's i'm not really sure i agree with that you know when when she does that but yeah it's an interesting game it's an interesting game as we head back to starbase mm-hmm. i've got one my last question i i think i i always say that it doesn't happen but we'll see what happens tonight if for for um a new player or a new GM or just someone who for the first time is going to meaningfully incorporate a starship into their mm-hmm. game, right? As a character, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. What would you tell them? What would be your advice of how to make that transition? What change of mindset? What, what would you tell them? Uh, to, to, as making it a part of your game, an important part of your game as a character. Yeah. Well, you want your, you want your starship to have meaning. And when I say that it's, there's a name to your starship. Why is it named that? What's its ship motto on its dedication plaque? 
what missions has it had before you became its crew? You know, what, what stories can you come up with just from its name? Um, I always say like Majestic, USS Majestic. It, it was one of the Miranda classes that's in the Dominion War. Well, why is it called Majestic? Yeah. What, what, what has the crew done to resemble that name? Or what's interesting about what that ship has done throughout its history? It's a Miranda. It's been around for a while, right? Um, yeah. And that's one of the examples that I try to give in Utopia Planitia is when you're going through the notable starships. I try to give a story there of why this ship might be named this or something interesting that it's done, putting real history into it. Um, so a lot of those notable starships, you'll see like references back to real history mm -hmm. in it. Tie it in, make that starship feel like it's a part of history. Its name means something. And then make it its own ship. So you make it unique in some way. Why is this ship different than all the other Mirandas or Excelsiors? Um, does it have a tradition on board? Do its turbo lifts squeak in a certain way that's kind of charming to the crew that it's weird when they're not on a ship that has that squeak? Oh, you know, I, I miss my ship. It had that kind of squeak when it goes, goes across decks. You want it to be a person in a way, its own person, unique. And yeah, I'm just babbling. I'm sorry, but no, 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 no keep going. This, this is, is great. This is fascinating. I, you have I, me, you have me noodling as you're talking about when this, the game so. master introduces when you're starting a game, always refer to the ship as she or he, right? Depending on your language of choice. Mostly it's it's she. If you're a Russian speaker, well, Slavic speaker, it's usually he. Um, usually, not always, but uh you refer to them as she or he um, and describe how they move through space, like as though they were a person. So if the ship takes damage, it staggers or it tumbles through space, wheeling about, or, you know, you, you describe it as though it was a person and it brings personality to the ship in your description. Cause as you close your eyes and you, and you, you hear those words, you can imagine exactly what that ship should be doing, but it evokes those kind of mm -hmm. um, anthropomorphic values. Yeah. And it becomes more important to your players in that way. That is just wonderful. I am so enamored with what you just said. I, oh, that, yeah, I'll just, uh, thank you so much for taking time with yeah. us. This is, oh no, my that's God. That's okay. I'm, I'm happy is, to babble forever, you know? <laughs> oh, this is, yeah. Um, Man, would you indulge us by coming back in the future to talk more? Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm happy to do it. Yeah, we would be I'm thrilled to, to have so. you back. So, I mean, usually Brad's yeah. the one who asks, but I'm beating you to it on this one. I no, no, you I, would, you you beat me to it because I was gonna I was gonna ask just because the way you just you, oh man how that kind yeah. of how that kind of ended. Now I'm I'm being like, not really the right word, but introspective about you know Jason and I talking about gaming and when we decide yeah. how we're gonna do it you know, the idea of that unique ship. Well, think, think of it. Think yeah. of enterprise at the end of, of search for Spock, that, that feeling it's name, her name was disappearing. She was dying. Her registry was falling in on herself. Yeah. And then she tumbled away from her own like death. And you hear that kind of squeal of, of hull rending and the gas escaping. She's dying. And then she tumbles into the atmosphere and you go to Kirk saying, my God, what have I done? Mm -hmm. And it's not that, Hey, look, I just killed a ship. He just killed his friend. Yeah. And in many ways, enterprise was like his love mm -hmm. in, in the original series, that mm -hmm. this was the woman that would, he would always protect that he yeah. would always be there for her. Yeah. And now she's burning up above him. I mean, like, it was a very open relationship, but still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's that personification, that yeah. feeling her name is dying. Her name is being erased as it's, as her hull kind of collapses. It's that kind of symbolism that you want yeah. to draw into to give your, your starship life. Yeah, yeah. and I, it's funny. Oh, man. You know, I, when, 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 the, when the D, you know, was, was, was 
I done almost, in generations. I almost cried on that one. Yeah, yeah and, and it was it was it was obviously emotional, but but Star Trek three, I was I was young, and I remember I remember when mm. the the hull explodes in both directions, and it yeah. it blows out, and the noise that it made, that explosion sound. I remember just playing that over and over again, and I still get the goosebumps thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm. that's. And now with the way you alliterated it, now it's even more so. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. Yeah, you and I are going to be talking offline, Brad, yeah. about what Aaron just said and what what that's going to mean for some of our playing. Well, I think I think we could probably yeah. take what we what you kind of how you wrap things up, and then what you just talked about. Now that could oh. be a whole episode we could talk about. In yeah, itself. remember this isn't just mm-hmm. me saying starships should be like this. This is what people do on ships today, like right. on Navy ships. That you know, hey, I I serve on Indianapolis. And Indianapolis has this, you know, she's this kind of ship or, you know, when, when there was another enterprise in service, I serve on the big E, big E's my girl, you know, and uh, same with aircraft, you name aircraft that are important. They have their personalities and you, you, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, Especially in World War II, you see those pieces of nose art, those guys that are like in the U.S. Army Air Corps, they're painting nose art on their ships because their ships, their their airplanes, because they're allowed to. Sure. But these these are the these are the girls that are keeping them alive. Right. That these are these young guys that maybe have never even lived life. And this is the one thing that's the most important thing in their life to make sure that she comes home because she comes home. We come home. And it's that sort of importance that I, at least I try to impart in some of my descriptions. I only hope I can, but just oh, by do. talking here, I can say, hey, yeah. look, this is important. Try to keep these things in mind. And you might have a more uh, evocative game, let's say. Uh. Or even just thinking about that when you read the book, even if you haven't played yet. Um, yeah, read Utopia, please. Oh, read yeah. just notable read it. Yeah, read that. I know you're lit. gonna read those and go, oh, 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 here's a Soviet World War II reference. Aaron obviously wrote that, but I mean, <laughs> I wrote all those notable starships. Uh, you know, it's they're there for stories. I'm yeah, trying to write yeah. little stories to, to trigger things in your mind to let you have ideas for new stories of your own. Well, when those hard copies land in our hands. I mean, I know that's a ways off, but when mm-hmm. those those land in our hands, because that for me, that's a whole other way of interacting with it, right? Where I can sit down with it and just page through it. Just for mm-hmm. me, that works. Um, you will be hearing from us for okay, a follow yeah. up. Um, well, you'll hear you, from us beforehand. But, oh yeah, probably. Yeah, but you are yeah. so going to hear from us when yeah. we get those physically in our hands and oh, yeah, actually sit down. Really, really appreciate you taking the time and talking about about your science and your Star Trek and the intersection and the starships and um, yeah. And this has just been really, really lovely and so very interesting and so very motivating to play, which is something I think we all need these days. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have, uh, have talked, you know, it's Star Trek is all about positivity and hope. And it's yeah. one of those things that I'll never get tired of talking about. No. Cause I want that hope in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, here. And we all need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. Again, after uh, Jason and I uh, talked with Aaron it was, it was, it, it really, really um, changed my perception of how we would game and how we would perceive starships. Now I posted a couple things out on Twitter. Um, I, I grew up watching the original series, um, not a ton, but enough that I had a real affinity for the characters. And, you know, we talked about this, you heard about this during um, our interview when the enterprise when they destroyed the enterprise and when it self-destructed and burned up um, in the Genesis planet's atmosphere, um, that was one of those things that I played over and over again, just because I couldn't believe that um, the enterprise was gone. So, you know, talking about it tonight, it reminded me of how I felt. Now I was, I was a kid when it came out, but I was pretty engrossed with Star Trek at the time. And I was telling Jason that even with um, the 
Enterprise D um, destroyed um, during Star Trek Generations, it didn't have the same effect on me. And maybe because I was an adult, but it didn't have the same effect on me that um, the original Enterprise did when it was destroyed in, in Star Trek Three. So just listening to that tonight reminded me of how I felt about that ship the same way how I felt about the characters. And while I loved Star Trek four, loved the, yeah, loved the movie. Um, it was weird to have a movie without an enterprise. And I was glad to see it at the end, but just for the bulk of the movie, it was just really odd for me not to see it. So we really hope um, you enjoyed um, the interview. Um, as we go over, it's a one-man uh, GM corner. I'm sitting here and looking at um, the One Ring. I've talked about this multiple times, but I actually printed out um, what's called the One Ring Strider Mode. It is um, solo role-play with the One Ring. And I was talking to Jason that I'm really kind of trying to narrow my focus so I don't get scatterbrained about it, but... Um, I've really kind of focused on um, D and D. Obviously, Star Trek. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't not, especially after talking with Jim a couple episodes and then talking with Aaron. Um, but also the One Ring, just because I have an ability now to play solo or try it solo. And I actually thought it was the Strider mode was well was cool enough that I actually had it printed and. Um, wire bound at FedEx. So it, it's X and with, with a vinyl cover and everything like that. So I actually can treat it as a book. I'm just a little bit of a, a dork that way. So I thought tonight, I didn't talk about this before, but I really thought there was an uh, <clears throat> interesting article. I haven't heard the interview, but apparently um, Joe Rogan, I'm not a fan, um, did an interview with an AI version of Steve Jobs. <clears throat> Have no idea what it sounded like, but I also thought about having an AI version of Jason, but then I figured um, I don't want that to the personality of that AI to outshine him. So I decided against it. I figured I'd just go solo this time um, and I could take my pot shots at him since he's not here to uh, respond, but in all seriousness, um, again, he's on the road for some research Um I wish him well. We didn't get a chance to record this before he had a chance to leave, but um, I am glad I had the opportunity as much as um, I'm able to have a conversation alone. It is a little bit odd for me um, to not be able to pass this jokes, jokes aside, to be able to pass back and forth and kind of feed off each other um, intellectually and in our thoughts related to gaming. But I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm going to try to... Uh, I think I've tried this once before, but Jason is the outro is always Jason. So it's a little weird for me to do this. Um, be well, stay well, and we will hear from you and you will hear from us really soon. Take care. <laughs>